Ephesians chapter 4, we, we're going to move a little slow here on purpose. Um, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, these are people that are born again already of the water and of the spirit. And it was, it was a while back when I was studying and, and doing First Peter, uh, I mean Second Peter, that, that whole book of Second Peter, that in my daily readings I came across something the Lord said, this is the next area you need to teach in. And so, so here we are. There, there's a lot, so we're not going to get far uh, tonight, but there, there's a lot here. You know, sometimes we can read some things out of the Word of God, and uh, until you go back and study it, there are some statements that seem really simple, but there's a lot of times that even though the statement seems simple, it, 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 it says something, and, and, and I pray that we all can be like this statement that the Apostle Paul made. He said, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now, that is interesting. And, and somewhere else in some other books, he said that he's a bondservant. But he called himself a prisoner of the Lord. Now, a prisoner, I, you know, I, I, I have never been to jail. I ran by them and I drove by them. And, uh, but I, I visit people in them, but I have never been to jail. Uh, but when we talk about a prisoner, we think of a jail. When, when a person is a prisoner, you lose all of your freedom. You, you lose your liberty. You no longer have a free will. That uh, local or federal system now dictates to you when you're going to get up, when you can have a break. You don't have a choice. It's not like Burger King, what you're going to eat. Uh, when you go to sleep, and if you don't go to sleep, you're going to be in the cell. You lose your free will. You lose your liberty. Now, notice that is a prisoner in the natural. Notice the word in here. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. God then called him a prisoner. The apostle called himself a prisoner of the Lord. And word also means being bound. He said, I, I am bound to the Lord. Not only am I bound to the Lord, I willingly give up my will. I give up my liberty. I give up my freedom. I give up my plans. I give up my dreams. I am a prisoner of the Lord. I bind myself to him. And so whatever God asked me to do, now notice, you think those prisoners 
that's locked up like what the guards tell them to do? No. <laughs> they shouldn't have messed up. They wouldn't have been there in the first place. But anyway, they, they, they don't like it. Uh, they may not agree with it, but yet they lost their will. It, it's, it's the same way he voluntarily became the prisoner of the Lord. I bind myself to God Almighty. And so now whatever God asks me to do, it's no longer my choice. It's not my desire. It is not my plans. I give myself wholeheartedly to God. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. That is a powerful statement. We're going to read something here, and I want to use a, a, a scripture set so you can understand uh, the magnitude of being a prisoner of the Lord. I pray to God that we can all get to the place where we can make a statement, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. We wonder why Paul was used in, in the magnitude and in, in the, the measure that he was using in the giftings and the calling. You know why? He was no longer blown to himself. He gave everything to God. And so God said, hey, if you bind yourself to me, then I can do whatever I desire to do with you and through you without any resistance. That's the type of people God is looking for. We live in a society that, again, we, if, we can't, if we can't make sense out of it, if we can't put it in, in a logical format, then it cannot be God. So let's, let's read a story here. You know this story, but we're gonna, it's the last part of it we're going to focus on. Let's go to Genesis 22, verse 1 uh, through 9. Man, I looked at that. I said, God, am, am I a prisoner? Have I bound myself to you? Have I lost my will, my desire, my plans? Have I given them up for you? So I'm up here teaching it, and I, I got to make sure that, that, that I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I, I know here... Um, here lately, it, it seemed like, I mean, there, there, there are things uh, that I think God is, 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 is revealing and, and showing. And, and I think sometimes that's good. Well, it's always good if God is doing it. But, Brother Vera, what's, what's tough for me is that I have to act on it. If I'm a prisoner of the Lord, then I cannot let what I think somebody may say or feel stop me from submitting to being obedient to God. 
That's a powerful statement there. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Now let's read this. Genesis 22, Elder, verse 1 through 9. I, I may stop you somewhere in there and interrupt and stuff. I may not. I'm, it, it depends. It doesn't matter because we ain't no finish tonight anyway. But anyway, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I will tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled a donkey and took two of the young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split, split the, the wood in, in the burning offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come again back. We will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Thank God we don't talk like that. But <laughs> let's keep going. <laughs> then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood on it in order. Now notice, so Isaac, unaware, and maybe at this time he began to sense something. I, I want you to understand the role of Isaac. We always talk about Abraham. But Isaac was a spiritual prisoner to his father. He no longer was concerned about his will, his desire, his pleasure. He totally trusts his father. It didn't matter what his father was about to do to him. Because we're gonna, as we read, we're going to find out that he never resisted. He never fought him. He never just rose up against him. But he was a willing participant. Watch this here. And he bound Isaac, his son. So he bound it. You know he probably was a young buck, man. You, we know, we know he was old. He probably could have took his cane and he would have failed. But he bound him and he let him bind him. Not only did he bind him, what else, Elder? And he laid him on the altar. And, and he laid him on the altar. You know why? Because he was a 
prisoner of his father. When you are a prisoner, you lose all your liberties, all your freedom. You bind yourself to somebody else's command or someone else's desire, someone else's wishes. This is a prime example right here. He laid him on the altar, <clears throat> upon the wood, and he did not resist him. Listen, friend, if God would desire to do something with us that we didn't understand, that did not make sense, are we willing to be a prisoner of the Lord and not resist God and not fight him? And say, well, God, that don't make sense to me. I don't know why you're asking me to do this. Paul said, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. I don't know about you, but that, that got on me. I said, God, help me to bind myself to you. That I lose my identity, I lose my will, I lose my desire, and whatever you ask me to do, God, even when it don't make sense, there's not going to be a struggle. I submit, I lay down, and I obey whatever you tell me to do. That's why he was so powerful of a man of God. And it wasn't him, it was God operating through him. So let's go back to uh, Ephesus, uh, Ephesians, chapter 4 and verse 1. Thank you, Elder. Be ready for 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. So Ephesians 4 and, and verse 1. I therefore, this, this is Paul. God never called him a prisoner. He called himself a prisoner. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, now, he's talking to believers. He said, I beseech you. The, the best word we can understand here, I urge you to walk. The word walk means to live or to be occupied with or to conduct oneself or to live in a certain way. I beseech you. I urge you to conduct yourself or to live in a certain way worthy. And we, if we live worthy, it's appropriately, it's suitable of the calling. This calling is our vocation, our invitation. Now, let's look at this calling in general. This calling in general is this. Uh, God called us out of darkness, into his marvelous light. God called us to be Christians or disciples of the Lord, to be Christ-like. And so if we're going to be Christ-like, then the attributes or the characteristics of God should be reflected in our life. So we should walk worthy, appropriately, suitably of the calling or the vocation or the invitation that God called us to be a child of God. Walk worthy of your calling. 
which you were called or you were appointed. Every one of us is here, and you that's watching my live stream that's a part of this body, you didn't choose God. God chose you, and God appointed you, and God pulled you out of the miry clay, and God has set our feet on a solid rock, and God has filled us with his spirit and washed our sins away. He pulled us away from the world and pulled us towards the cross. And God said, I have appointed you to walk according to my word. Have you ever seen people that call themselves Christians? Man, every word out of their mouth, they're cussing. They're lying. And somehow they think it's all right. They're not walking worthy or appropriately suitable to what God has appointed them to be. And so here he's talking to the church at Ephesus. Now, what what has God called us to do? Elder 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. But you are a chosen generation. We, we are what? A chosen generation. Oh, okay. So God chose us. What else? A royal priesthood. A what type of priesthood? Royal. Okay. Now, if we go back and study the Old Testament, the priest and the priesthood was not like everybody else. They didn't have to go around and say, hey, I'm the royal priesthood. By the way they dressed, and by the way they carried themselves, and the things that they done, and the things that they did not do. Someone can look and say, hey, they're a part of the priesthood. So, we're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. What else? A holy nation. And where holy simply means that, that, that our motives, our, our, our mindset should be pure. Not perfect, but pure. Consecrated. Which, which really means we belong to God. We're a holy nation. Let's keep going. His own special people. Oh! Who, who, who are we? Say it again. His own special people. His own special people. Listen, you're not a special person to first UPC. This is where we congregate. This is our, our family. But you belong to God. You know, so many people that are shallow in their relationship with God. That's why they hide things from the man of God. Because that's the shallowness, and they don't understand that, hey, God sees everything. It ain't the man of God you should fear. Well, maybe some of you should, but anyway. Uh, but, but, but it's God. We're his own special people. Watch this here. That you may proclaim the, the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The word proclaim the praises, the word praises simply mean the virtue. What is the virtue? That is that is. God's moral goodness. What is moral goodness? That is where we conform to the rules of what's right. And this is the word of God. 
And so when we conform to the rules of what's right, we proclaim without saying a word. We proclaim the praises of God. We proclaim the virtues of God. We let the world know that God is good. They may be in fear, but we're in Goshen. They may not know what's going to happen, but we know we're in the hands of God. We know that everything is going to be all right. They may be in darkness, but when they see you and I and the virtues of God working through us, uh, they can see the light. There's something about them uh, that's keeping them uh, even in our troubled time. And we got to walk worthy. He called us to proclaim the praises of him who calls out of darkness to his marvelous lights. Keep going. Who once were not a people. Who we were not a people. We thought we was. <laughs> we were not my peoples, your peoples, their peoples. We were not a peoples. We were not. Keep going. But are now the people of God. Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. We are the children of God Almighty. Let's keep going. Who had not obtained mercy. But oh, now- friend. The world won't have mercy on you. How many know you're here by the mercy of God? Amen. Come on, somebody. Listen, when I, didn't, when I didn't know God, when I knew of God, I still remember when I was 16 years old. You heard the story. I, I should have died. But there was a grandfather that prayed for me when I was a child. When I was a baby, I didn't know. And that prayer carried me. And, and I know I probably had my mom or dad praying for me that I wasn't aware of. That kept me. God showed me mercy when I didn't even know him. Thank God we have attained mercy. That's why we're here tonight. Amen. So we, we attain mercy. Let's keep going. But now we have attained mercy. You read it all. The Lord is good. You trying to get out here early, Elder? (laughs) Now watch this here. So Paul said this here. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, urge you to walk, to live in a certain way, to, to conduct oneself worthy, appropriately, suitable, of the calling or the vocation or the invitation that, that God called us to show forth his praises, which you were appointed. God has appointed you to show forth his praises, his virtue, his more goodness. That means living according to the word of God. Now, I hear people, and, and they have said it, some of them, you know, they're not part of it. Now, I'm talking about people as they grow and mature. When you see someone that's been in this thing 15, 20 years, and they still look the same when they first came in, that's a problem. There has been no growth. I heard people say, well, I don't believe you have to do all of that. I, I, you know, that, that's just legalistic and all that. No, 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 friend. If you love God. And if you are a prisoner of the Lord, then I'm not going to argue with the word of God. Whatever God asks me to do, I'm going to line up. 
I'm not going to let the world tell me how I should dress and how I should talk and how I should act. I'm going to let the word of God do it because it was God that shed his blood on Calvary Cross. I mean, they, they will tell you in a heartbeat, well, I, I can't stay here. Good. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere where, where the pastor don't have a spiritual backbone or a spiritual love for you to tell you what does saith the Lord. He wants your tithes. He wants your offering. But he don't care if you don't make it to the kingdom of God. You don't have a shepherd like that. Listen, we all got to make it to the kingdom of God. We got to make it, listen, friends, we got to make it to the kingdom of God. We must make it to the kingdom of God. No matter what trial, what tribulation, no matter what the world bring our way, we got to make it to the kingdom of God. Got to be saved. Because the word is going to judge us. Not the people say, well, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live that way. They're not going to be anywhere around. God's going to pull out his word. He's going to judge us according to the word. So here, he said, we got to walk this way. And I'm telling the world is looking. They're in confusion. There's a lot of noise out there. But there has to be some light. Somehow, somebody walking relationship got to tell them, you don't have to stay in darkness. Uh, there is some light. There is a better way. There is a brighter day. How else is God going to do it? It's by his people walking according to the word of God. Listen, when he said this here. Let me go back and read this again. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, this is something. With all lowliness, that word lowliness is interesting. I think King James may say humility. I'm not for sure. But lowliness in the Greek means humiliation of the mind. Watch this here. It means loneliness of the mind. Wait, wait a minute. Loneliness of the mind? Loneliness in the mind, that means there's only one thing that is occupying your mind. It also means renunciation of any will to rule. So anytime something come in your mind that don't line up with the word of God, where you just want to go by that thought or that feeling, if you're going to have loneliness of mind, you got to renounce that thing and say, nope, I'm not going to do my own will. I'm not going to do my own thing. I'm going to have a loneliness of mind. I only want the things of God to lead me and to guide me. That's why the word of God said, cast it down every imagination and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. When you walk before God, you got to have the loneliness of the mind. And that's why all this noise is out there. 
And some people are motivated by the noise that they hear because they don't have a lowliness of the mind. There's something else that's ruling. There's something else that's willing their mind, their behavior, their attitude, and the way that they think. Friend, I don't want anything in my mind that don't line up with the Word of God. Let me say it again. AOC, I know you won't hear this, but the world is not going to be destroyed in 12 years. You may be destroyed in 12 years, but the world will still be here because it's in the hands of God. Mankind don't have the power to terminate what God has already established in his word. It's amazing. It's the people, you, you know, the people always that, that are critical of God and critical of the people that's, I'm, I'll leave that alone. Anyway, loneliness of mine. You, you, you renounce anything that are trying to give you the will to rule. When I looked at that, I go, ooh. So let's look at a story here to tie this in together. Uh, Matthew 14, you know this story, but we're going to read it anyway. Matthew 14, we're going to look at verse 22. Those that minister, you know, you understand sometimes when you go to study and you're going to study to teach to someone else and God is just whooping you. So here I am checking my mind and my spirit and making sure and checking twice. I have to find out if I'm naughty or nice, but I'm checking twice. To make sure that I'm not willing something out of my flesh. And we can do that. Just because God has given me authority doesn't mean it gives me a right to step outside of the things of God. It's the same way with us as children of God. We got to renounce Anything that comes in our mind that's trying to get us to rule. And this is what mankind is doing. I'm telling you, I'm sitting there thinking, it's just like Sunday morning, brother. Master said that was just conversation, it just convict me. Well, there's no problem hearing from God. The problem is people obeying God. And you have to be spiritual this morning. So listen to this story. Very familiar. I'm going to read a little bit slow here so, so you, you can grasp this. Uh, Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now, when he sent the multitudes away... <coughs> He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. See, Jesus prayed. There are some people so spiritual, I don't need to pray. The Lord just talked to me. Yeah, I don't know what Lord it is, but it ain't the one I serve. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. And this just goes to show you that the Lord knows everything. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. 
tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. Now, check this out. Went to them walking on the sea. We read this like it's just, I mean, can you see somebody walking on the sea? The only sea I'm going to walk on is when you put a letter C down there and I walk on it. It was an S, but anyway. <laughs> Man, I was a poet and didn't even know it. But anyway, uh, so here he, he come walking on the seat. Now, they have never seen anybody walk on the sea. Now, notice, they thought they was hallucinating. Because one, they was in the midst of a storm. And the way we teach it and preach it, we don't do it justice. It's a tempest. And so they was in the midst of that, and, and the boat is being tossed by the waves, and the wind is just blowing them everywhere. And here comes Jesus walking on the sea. Now, they didn't know it was Jesus. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they was troubled. I would have been too. I know some of you say, oh, I would have recognized who it was. No, you wouldn't. You, well, no, we wouldn't recognize who it was. So they see him walking on the sea. It was trouble. One of them said, it is a ghost, and it's not holy. Holy ghost. Anyway, <laughs> it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, now watch this here. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me. Give me an invitation. Call me. Appoint me to come to you on the water. Appoint me. Let this be my vocation right now. To come to you on the water. Now when he said this, so he said, come. Now notice when he began to come. He had to have lowliness of the mind. He couldn't have anything else in his mind if he was going to walk worthy of the invitation that the Lord just gave to him. That sometimes we can't walk where God wants us to walk if we have other things in our mind. So here he said, come. And he stepped, he came down out of the boat, and that dude was walking. They talking about moonwalking, he was sea walking. And the reason why he was walking, and the reason why he was walking on the water, and the reason why the winds and the waves did not affect him, because he had loneliness of mind. The only thing that was in his mind was to keep his eyes on the Lord and to obey what God was saying to him. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I don't care what they're saying about the virus. 
If your mind is on the Lord, you're not going to be destroyed. Come on, somebody. You're not going to go without. God is going to take care of you. But if you take your mind off of God and hear the noise. And so here he is. He's walking. Man, he, he is doing good. Walking on the water. And the environment, Brother Tolliver, did not affect him at all. Because his mind was only on the Lord. But something happened that he didn't renounce. Watch this here. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, uh oh, uh-oh, something else invaded his mind. I'm sorry, you can't have both of them there. One is going to be more dominant than the other. Either it's going to be the word of God that you submit to or it's what else you let come in that you believe. He allowed the wind to come in and it was boisterous. And because he took his eyes off the word come that God had told him, then fear said, I'm going to show up because now you're going to rule by my authority. He said, we got to have loneliness of mind. There can't be anything that try to step in and try to get us to rule. We got to renounce. So here it is. The Bible said when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out. Why did he begin to sink? Simply because he allowed Something else in his mind and that began to rule his behavior and his attitude and God could not help him. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I mean, the first day after this stuff happened and the Lord had already given us direction and, and the people had called on that Thursday and we had all this stuff set up so I knew that was going to be here. And I'm driving down the road. And, and, you know, and God already said through, through, through the people that's using the gifts, fear not, fear not. I, I, I'm going to protect you. And, you know, God said all this stuff. But I'm driving and I'm looking at these churches and not one car is in the parking lot. And the enemy got inside of that escalator and said, oh, you can't ride in this. You dirty. And mess my Escalade, man. I don't know if I'm going to have seen this of mine. <laughs> but the enemy got in there, Brother Trini, and said, look, look at this. W- what you're doing, it- it's not right. But God had already spoken. So as quick as it came, God's word began to rise in my spirit. And so I had a choice. What word would you hang on to? I said, I got to hang on to the things of God. We're going to go and have a move of God. We're going to let the will of God be done. God's word override everything. But had I focused on that, I would have freaked out. And I'm telling you, something would have happened. When we walk before God, we got to have the loneliness of mind. We got to renounce anything. They try to make us 
rule. When I said that, I said, God, this is some good stuff. Why are you beating me up before I go and teach this? He began to seek. He was small enough to say, Lord, save me. And friend, when our mind is all over the place, we need to ask God, save us, God. Help this mind. Help the noise not to affect me. God, let the word rise and surface in my spirit that you have already spoken. Listen, we are the people of God, and nothing can happen to us that God will not allow to happen to us. If our eyes is on the Lord, then it doesn't matter what storm come our way. It doesn't matter how the wind blow. It doesn't matter, friend, how the rain may descend. We're going to be standing, and we're going to make it because we're a child of God. We don't serve many gods. We serve one God. We don't serve three gods. We serve one God. His name is Jesus. And so that's where our mind has to be. And so here, let's go back to Ephesians. Oh, Jesus. No, we got plenty of time. It's just now 8 o'clock. It's 831. Now, so... We read this here. Watch this here. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling. Next week, if we get to it, I'm going to show you why he's writing these things. And it'll show you when the church of Ephesus and how it was established. He had to go back and reassure them of some things. Because he went into a place that was full of false doctrine and gods and everything to establish the truth. Notice this. Ephesus is one of the seven churches of Asia. I learned something. God loved the Asian people. Yes, ma'am. I'll fit a joke, but uh, she may not let me in the house tonight. So, that you are worthy <laughs> with which you were called, um, while worthy of the calling, which what you was called, you understand that? With all lowliness, watch this here, and gentleness. Now, when you have lowliness of, of mind, humility of the mind, you got to have gentleness and it's mildness and, and kindness. Listen, the Lord may have been firm and, and straightforward at times, but he was not mean. When, when you walk in loneliness of mind, you, you, you're not going to just be mean to people. Because there's something I read in here because, well, let me go a little bit farther. With long suffering. Now, when you walk in that place, you got to have long suffering because now you're reflecting the virtues, which is the character and the characteristics of God Almighty. And the enemy does not desire for us to walk in a place where people can see the reflection of God. In our life. That's why the scriptures say we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
with principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. They, they influence people to come against us. Sometimes we think it's because we're doing something wrong. That mindset has to change. These clowns showed up to, to do something bad about us because we were doing something that was right. And, and I remember, I remember the words of Sister Ruth back there. She, she said, I don't know if she said dad or bishop. If she said dad, I go, yes. She said bishop, I would say yes. So I would answer to both of them. She said, don't let them get under your skin. That's all they want to do is to make you mad. They want to provoke you. And then you'll regret some of the things that you, you, you would say. All I can do is hear her little voice in my mind. And, and, and I had to pull back before the interview started because I could hear her voice. And I would have said something. I, <laughs> but I could hear her voice. So he said, you got to have mildness and kindness with long-suffering. Listen, this long-suffering means an emotional calm in the face of provocation. You that are living for God, the enemy would use people to provoke you out of nowhere to make you mad. When I get mad, I just walk. And I'm, just, I'm running through my mind everything I'm going to say. By the time I finish, I got my aerobics in. <laughs> but the Bible said we, 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 we have to be emotionally calm, long-suffering, because if you are doing right, you will be provoked. The enemy will come after you. And so our emotion has to have balance. We can't swing this way and then swing back the other way. And we swing this way, we swing back the other way. Come on, let's say everybody swing this way. <laughs> We're going to come out with the dance called swing. So you mostly come in a face when someone is provoking you or we got to be emotionally calm when misfortune come our way. Listen, God never said that everything is going to go right. Even those that live for God, misfortune will come your way. It, it, it is going to happen. And we have to become. Just like I was on that treadmill that morning. I remember driving in that parking lot. Man, and I go, ooh, that, that front spot right there. And I park all the way on the edge. And then I parked that F-150 there. Then I locked it. And then, you know, when I walk in the gym, I just walk back and look like, man, that's a good-looking truck. <laughs> man, that truck looks so good. So I got on the treadmill where I could see my truck. Then I seen this 18-wheeler coming up there. I go, no, he's not going to try to make it. I'm walking. All of a sudden, I'm walking faster. 
And I seen when this guy tried to make that corner. Boy, I was off that treadmill. I was out that door. I walked around there, and I go, man, I just stayed like that. Then I just threw my hands down. I hurt my shoulder. <laughs> I turned around and went back. But I held my peace. I held it right here. Now, I, I held my peace, and I went out. I finally went back. I looked at the truck, and, man, we just called the cops. And I was, we just, we just spoke very calmly. The enemy wanted to ruin my day, my week, my month. It happened. I shocked myself the way I reacted to it. It would have been different. Lord, I'm not asking for anything to happen. If it would have been an Escalade, I would. <laughs> and so misfortune happened. I had to go all through this process and taking it down and getting these estimates and all this stuff. To get the truck back, it looks good. And also, it was two weeks, I'd go to the car wash to spray it down and wash it. And where they painted the bumper and I asked them not to paint it. It all started chipping. I said, well, time for me to touch it up and go get a new one. And every time I had a plan to get it to a certain place to pay it off, same thing happened in the Tundra and it happened with the F-150. Misfortune happens. But we have to be emotionally calm. God is letting us know. They was going through some things in Ephesus. As God elevate and God begin to use us, if he can't get you any other way, he's going to have someone to provoke you. A misfortune is going to happen, and you must handle it the right way. Because the first thing somebody's going to say, and you call yourself a Christian. And that'll just make me even matter. Well, you're going to call me something else here in a second. <laughs> That's what they say. Well, I know. And it's always somebody that don't know God. Christian. That's not Christian people. They always trying to tell us how to act. So, so we, 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 we have to have an emotional calm. That's long suffering there. I'm saying, I realize, oh my God. And we got to have this without complaint or irritation. And we got to have patience and allow the Lord to work it out. Because you know what? We're trying to walk worthy. We're walking in the lowliness of mind. We are the prisoners of God. We're in the will of God. But these things are going to come our way. But listen, friend, if we can embrace this, and this become a part of our nature and our character. No telling how many people that God's going to allow to see his light through you and I. I'm telling you, God is getting ready to do some great things. But understand, misfortune, it, it, it's going to happen. So he said, with all loneliness and gentleness and long-suffering, <laughs> bearing 
one another. Somebody, now I know you can't buy YouTube, raise your hand and stuff. I, hey, put your hands down. You got chicken sauce right there on it. Put it down. What do you think that word bearing wit mean? Bearing. Let's see a hand. I'm productive. That's, that's good. But, but it's something that we, we, we probably won't like. Go ahead, Brother Neil. Carrying someone? You can pick them up? <laughs> You're supposed to let me be the jokester, man. <laughs> what do you mean by caring? Okay. Who said that? Say it, say it. <laughs> I should have known Sister Sandy was going to answer this question. <laughs> you're, you're right. It's tolerating. Man, I read that. In other words, tolerating a putting up with. God said, there, there are just some people, and they're his children. He shed his blood for them. They're going to get on your. <laughs> Alas, I have nerve. And he said, we must put up with it in love. And that word love is agape. And Sister Ruth explained that pretty good. And, and benevolence. And that means no matter what we do, we got to be willing to do good by them, even if they get on your nerve. Because there are some people that God's going to bring in our midst. They go, oh, Bishop, I mean, you the spiritual one, you work with him. No, you work with him. We can't ignore those people. Cannot. So there are some people, he said, y'all going to have to bear with them. And he said, you're going to have to bear with them in love. Brother Victor, I don't know if y'all seen him. <laughs> he buried that guy in love. <laughs> I don't know if y'all seen him, but a guy was trying to steal his lawnmower and his weed eater. And I thought I seen, I thought the Lord showed me a vision that Victor seen him for a while. And he just waited till he got way down there. So he just bust out that door. Dude was limping, too. He was limping in both legs when Victor finished with him. He tackled him in love. <laughs> All right, we're going to go a little bit farther here. Ellen, you're going to have a series of scriptures to read in just a second. So we must put up with 
one another in love. Thank God we don't have a church full of everyone that's the same. I know if everyone was like me, it would be a powerful church. (laughs) I think the corona is just messing with me and stuff. That's funny. But God, he's not going to give us the church where everybody's going to be the same. Everybody's personality is not the same. Everyone's not going to view everything the same way. But each person is a part of the body. Verse 3. He said that you love one another in endeavoring. Watch this here. This is good. And we probably end up finishing here. Endeavoring, making every effort. To exert oneself to keep the unity, unity, the oneness of the Spirit, capital S. We'll find out next week why he said this here. When he established that church, man, there, there was some stuff going on in, in Ephesus. But the thing that was going to help them all come to the unity of the faith First, they had to keep the unity of the Spirit. We're going to look at this. How do we keep the unity of the Spirit? When, when people that's been a part of this truth, when they, when they start denouncing the significance of the Spirit of God and the evidence of it, then that's a problem. But if we can have the unity of the Spirit, if we can all unite about the significance and what it takes to be born into the body, then there's a chance. There is a chance. Now notice, we can't even be a part of the body without the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. For by one spirit. We How many spirits? One. Say it again. One. By one, one spirit. We were all baptized in, into the body. Into, into one body. Into how many bodies? One. By one spirit, we all baptized into one body. Yeah. Watch this here. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave, slaves or free, all have, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Ah, so we got to have unity of the spirit. What's what's so amazing about the Spirit is that, again, bond and free, Jew or Greek, it doesn't matter what color you are. If you're going to be in the body, you got to receive the Spirit. It doesn't matter your social status, your educational status. The only way you're going to get God's Spirit, I mean, to get in the body, you must be born of the Spirit. And we got to keep that in mind. You know how tragic it is when people say that only certain people receive the Spirit. What Bible are you reading? And so we got to have the unity of the Spirit. Let's go a little bit farther in the Spirit. Let's look at uh, John 7, 37 through 39. Now, here's how we have the unity of the Spirit. Only the believers receive the Spirit. 
if you're in this body, you had to get in by the Spirit. Only believers receive the Spirit. Anybody can say, I believe. But there's going to be an evidence that you are a believer. So let's read this. Watch this here. On the, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to, to me and drink. He who believes in me. Wait a minute. He who what? Believes in me. Okay, keep going. As the scripture has, has said. According to the word of God. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So what's he talking about here, Elder? The Spirit. Ah, okay. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Concerning the Spirit. Watch this here. Whom those who believe, believing in him would receive. Ah, if they're a true believer, they will receive God's Spirit. Watch this here. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet Glorified. So it wasn't given in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was given once he ascended on high. We're baptized into one body by one spirit. And on his way to receive that spirit, you must be a believer. Now, we got to have the unity of the spirit. I heard people make the statement, oh, well, you, you already got God's spirit, but the manifestation will come later. Uh-uh. That's not the unity of the spirit. So a person thinks, well, I already got it. Why should I have a manifestation? I heard some people say at repentance, people receive God's spirit. That's not unity of the spirit. And I don't know why people are afraid to preach about receiving the Holy Ghost. Man, wait, that's getting off subject. John 16 is, um, John something. John 16, Mark, excuse me, Mark 16 and verse 17. And those signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Ah, these signs will follow who? Them that believe. Them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. We're going to have the unity of the spirit. You're born into the body by receiving the spirit of God. If you are a believer, then you will speak with new tongues. So what's so significant about having a unity of the spirit? Why are they emphasizing this? Because they have the Spirit, we may disagree in some other areas, but if they yield to that Spirit, there's a strong possibility that it's going to lead them and guide them to all the truth. So let's read this in uh, John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will what? Teach you all things. So here he said, maintain the unity of the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to work. This is one thing apostolics got to learn. Well, a lot of churches, it doesn't matter anymore because they they're not going to get you to grow beyond being baptized and being filled with the Holy Ghost. But 
If a person baptized through the Holy Ghost and you teach them to fall in love with God and they receive the Holy Ghost, allow the Spirit to work. The Spirit will work. So let's keep reading this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Okay, so the key is here is that we got to have the oneness of the Spirit. Let me hit this last thing on the significance of the Spirit. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Brother Josh, you can make your way. 1 Corinthians 2, and you know this, but I love this. If we have the unity of the Spirit, there's something else it's going to say here. 1 Corinthians 2, we read it all the time. We'll read it again, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his what? Ah, capital S. For the Spirit searches how many things? Yes, the what? The deep things of God. For one man knows the things of a man except small as the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except what? This is why we got to have the unity of the spirit. And we have to have the unity. There's only one way to get into the body. There's only one way to receive the spirit of God Almighty. We cannot lose the significance of the spirit of God Almighty. It's amazing. People talk about God and stuff. Ah, let's keep going. Verse 13. These things. No, verse 12. Now we have not, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. For what reason? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And watch this here. But the natural man, this is why I told him, you got to have the unity of the Spirit. He was dealing with some stuff at Ephesus. There's a lot of noise out there. And he said the thing that's going to bond us and tie us together is being in oneness with the Spirit. Because the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, capital S, of God. They are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, let's wind this down. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. We got to work. In the bond, the bond is to united principle of peace. The word peace here is the absence of hostile feelings. If we can get people to agree about the Spirit of God. Now, I know sometimes we, we get upset. I, I, I know I do when someone is walking away, it seems like from truth. But if you can have the unity on the Spirit, you don't have to have a hostile feeling towards them. 
because the spirit will work. It's up to them if they're going to obey or disobey. But we're going to agree on this spirit. And as long as you agree on how to receive and the significance of it, then you leave it. So I, I remember out on base, I still remember Brother Plummer. And man, he, man, they believe in the Holy Ghost, not like we do. How's it essential? And I just get so mad, so mad that he'll, he'll tell lies to the people to get all the people to come to their service and know we had truth. And the Lord rebuked me through Brother McCall. He should have known the Lord was talking to me. He shouldn't have gave it tongues interpretation. <laughs> the Lord said, everyone that come to me with a sincere heart, I have not lost one. I go, well, it ain't that many people here, so they probably know God is talking to me. Because that dude made me mad. I'm, I was fighting mad. But we did agree about speaking in tongues. It's the Holy Ghost. Well, I say, don't have no hostile You agree there. Leave it there. Allow my spirit to work. And if they reject it, that's fine. Because that same witness they had by the spirit will stand against them in judgment. That's why the Lord said, hey, friend, how do you come hither without the wedding garment? Now, he only got called away by the Spirit. He go, ah, but, ah, but, ah, but, ah, but, ah, but, that's all, folks. He didn't have an answer. You know why? Because, you heard me say this, the, the groom, it was his responsibility to provide the wedding garment. He got the invitation and had the opportunity to get the wedding garment, but he refused it. So he got caught away, but he couldn't go in. So, so here, you can start strumming. We, we, we're closing now. He's saying the unity of the spirit and the bond, the united principle of peace, that's the asking of a hostile feelings. Then he said, verse 4, there is how many bodies? One body. He's letting know there's only one body. There's only one body. And how many spirit? And so one spirit, you're going to receive it one way. There's only one true body of Christ. I'm not talking about an organization. There's many oneness organizations out there. I'm not talking about an organization. There's one body of called out believers. They have repented and baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and drawn away from the world and getting closer to God and reflects the attributes and the character of God. So he's letting them know in emphasis because they was dealing with some stuff. Now watch this here. There's one body, one spirit, just as you're called in one hope, expectation of good of your calling. One Lord, one faith. One persuasion, one belief, one way to make it to the kingdom of God. You hear me by the YouTube. You that's a, a, a part of the, the first UPC family. There's only one faith. One faith. I, I don't care when they say, well, they confess the Lord and say, save you. They're taking it out of content. 
There's only one faith, one way to be saved, repentance, water baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence is speaking in other tongues. And you have to grow. One Lord, one faith. How many baptisms? How many? He's telling the church in Ephesus because somebody was trying to bring in something else. One baptism. I heard people go, well, I believe Jesus' word over Peter's word in Matthew 28, 19, that, you know, I would take his word. That's somebody that don't know nothing about the word of God. Because all I had to do was go up a few scriptures and see that the Lord was giving instructions to his disciples. He never told them to repeat it. He told them to obey it. And if they want to believe Jesus' word over Peter's word, then they don't need to believe from the book of Acts all the way to Jude. But you got to come to this conclusion. Did they obey or disobey? When they went out and baptized, they baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 2.38, Acts 8.16, Acts 10.48, Acts 19.5. Acts 22 and 16. Everywhere, when they baptized, it was in Jesus' name. There's one baptism. No one was baptized in the titles in the Word of God. So he's telling them, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all and that's all. So it's the last question. We can stand. So why in the world is the Apostle Paul telling them about one Lord, one faith, one baptism? We're going to answer that question next week. Wait till we see where the book, I mean, the, the church of Ephesus was starting. When he went in there to start some things, he stirred up the enemy. He had to keep sending them letters and stuff to get them rooted and grounded in the truth. Have you ever noticed some people, someone come in, they get the revelation, they're baptized in Jesus' name, they feel the Holy Ghost, and out of nowhere, now everybody wants to talk to them about God. And they want to bring their different point of views. That's the enemy. Because they haven't had the opportunity to be rooted and grounded. And they'll try to water down the significance of their experience with God. When God brings new people in, they're born again. Listen, we're going to have to love these people. We need to be there for them and understand Everybody's going to try to talk to them about God because the enemy want to bring confusion and bring them out of the hands of the Lord. Last story. I remember after I was baptized in Jesus' name, I remember standing when I was in, a, in, in that dorm in the Philippines and I read those scriptures and I jumped up out of bed and said, hey, I'm going to be baptized in Jesus' name. The pastor baptized me in Jesus' name. Well, there was this guy 
military guy, was really good in the scripture. At least I thought he was. I didn't know any scriptures at that time. And he would whoop us from can to can. I bet if I ran into him today, I'd beat him so bad with the word of God. Man, I'd write a new book. No, I'm just joking. That guy, he had me, Brother Andre, uh, Brother uh, Gibbs. These are the guys that warned me. He had us questioning everything that happened to us. And I go, man, yeah, don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. I said, I have been baptized before when I was a kid for some Holy Ghost. Man, wait till I see Pastor. Wait till I tell him. And here come Pastor driving. And I go, Pastor, why are you telling us we have to be baptized in Jesus' name? And he stopped, took out the word, and had that guy right there. And he whooped him from can to can very nicely. And from that day forward, I, I never stumbled. It was God that sent him by. Here this guy come along trying to mess with my mind. And we believed him because we didn't know the word. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel the Holy Ghost. There are people that God's going to bring in our midst that's going to have that experience with God. And somebody's going to come along and try to tell them something different because they haven't been rooted and grounded. I was not rooted and grounded. I remember as a kid, I was baptized in the titles. I remember the preacher name, Reverend Wayne. His breath was really stinking that day. <laughs> he said, you shouldn't say it on YouTube. It was. That's why I don't baptize y'all, unless I have some lifesavers and stuff. I remember, I re after I had that revelation, there's some stuff going on in the church of Ephesus that he had to go back and strengthen their belief. And this is what we're doing right now. Because there will be some people that's going to challenge some of you that's willing to take a step, that's willing to step out and teach God's word. There are going to be some people that challenge you. But we got to hang on to some things. Because God is getting ready to illuminate this body. And we're going to see an influx of people coming in. We just don't want to see them go out. Because the enemy is going to try to bring confusion. So on that note, I'm glad y'all was here tonight. Let's remember to pray for the president, for uh, our uh, governor, pray for our mayor, um, and, and our county judge, uh, Nelson Wolf. Let's pray for him. Let's pray for our leaders that God would, would just arrest them and put things in their mind and their spirit where they'll make the right decisions in this crucial time. Because look, it is time for us to come back together as a body. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of this. It, it is time. So with that being said, turn around and nod to somebody and say, I'm glad you was here tonight.